You are now listening to the Online Course Podcast, the place where online course creators come to learn how to sell more of their online courses. Here's your host, Jono Petrohilos. Okay, hello everybody. Jono here from the Course Creator Community, and I am super excited because we've got a very special guest on the line this week. A little bit about this person. She's a course creation coach, which is why I love her on the on the Course Creator Community podcast. Uh, she helps course creators in many different ways. One of the main ways is her course out to market in six weeks. She's also a fellow podcast host. I recommend everyone check out her podcast at the Course Creation Incubator. So without further ado, let me introduce the one and only Miss Gina on a TVR. Gina, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on. No, I'm excited. Did I nail that last name? Did I say it correctly? You completely did your research and nailed it. Congratulations, Jono. I read it. (laughs) I'm like, there's no way I'm ever going to be able to pronounce that name. But then I heard you say it on your podcast and I'm like, ah, it's actually just said exactly the way it's spelled. It's not that hard. (laughs) It just looks hard because there's A's and V's and I's and all over the place, but I'm glad I got it. But hey, Gina, I like to start all my podcasts off with a quote or mantra that inspires you or fires you up. Do you have one for us? I have two. I'm going to give you a mantra and then I'm going to give you a quote if that's okay. Yes. And we're going to talk a little bit about Tony Robbins. I'm sure my former boss and yeah. as part of this podcast. And when I worked for Tony, there was a few things that we, we tried to like kind of instill, or I tried to remember and, and I have a post-it on my desk right now. And it says, slow down, breathe and stay in your heart mm-hmm. because I'm a former New Yorker. I'll always be a New Yorker <laughs> in my heart. So I talk too fast. I go too fast. My hus- I drive my husband crazy and then stay in your heart it always comes back to that. Whether if I'm getting frustrated or angry or upset about something, you know, if you, if you stay in your heart, return to that, then it tends to calm me down. So that's, that's the mantra that I have on my desk. And then I love this quote by Napoleon Hill. Do not wait. The time will never be just right. I I bet you know this quote. And this has stayed with me when I was thinking about having Tristan, our seven-year-old, when I'm thinking about launching something, when I'm encouraging a student, and we all know this, the time is never going to be perfect. You just got to go for it. Yes. Wow. Love both of those. I, I'm a huge Tony Robbins fan myself. And I heard you say that in, in one of your podcasts. I'm like, she worked for Tony Robbins. I got to get her on here. So uh, he says I another did. thing. I have stories. <laughs> well, is it, is, um, what is it? So yeah, there's another quote of, another mantra of, he, or quote or mantra of his that I like. It's some, when you, when I've been to a few of his seminars and someone will start talking and he'll be like, hey, hey, stop, stop. Are you in your head? or in your heart. And I I, I like that side of it. It's like, hold on, you know, when you analyze it too much, you sort of just stuff yourself up. Sometimes it's better just to go with the heart. So I I love Mm -hmm. that. And yes, so Napoleon Hill, I haven't heard that quote, but I'm a huge fan of his book. You know, if if any- Think and Grow Rich. Yes. Yes. Tony's a huge fan. I'm sure you know the story that Tony, that was one of the first books that really made an impression on Tony. And he would journal about it when he was young before he he reached the pinnacle of success. And that really influenced him. Yes. Well, I, um, let me think about that. I originally read that book and didn't like it ages ago. You know, I was a kid. I was like in my early twenties. I'm like, man, all these stories are from the 1920s, you know, but then it was just, and it was just, cause it was, it was written a hundred years ago, right? <laughs> yeah, it was I written think, a long time ago. <laughs> I think it's, literally, but it's, it's good. Cause it's like, it was, it was literally written a hundred years ago, right? 
but I, then I started to study successful people, you know, Tony Robbins, um, Bob Proctor, you know, all, all the gurus out there. And literally, whenever you ask them, hey, what's the best book? Like nine out of 10 would say, think and grow rich. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to give this book another crack, you know, and yeah. read it a second time with a different opinion, you know? And I'm like, because, you know, you know what got me? When I read it in my 20s, it was the title that got me. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. all I've got to do is think and I'll get rich. Then I realized, hold on, there's a little bit more to it. That's than not, yeah, that's not really what the book is about. <laughs> yeah. Good title, good marketing. Yeah, excellent. Gets more. you in there. Right. Gets you in there, but there's a little bit more to it than just thinking. Uh, but then I read it and, and loved it. So I'm a huge fan. And I recommend everyone listening, if you haven't read that book, go and read it. Yeah, it's a little bit old, but it's priceless, which is better. Because if you read a book on, you know, even what we do with course creation, you know, in a year's or year, two or a year or two's time, could be different technology. Different Out, yeah, it could be outdated, or, right? Could be outdated. You know, this yeah. book that's lasts for a hundred years. The principles are still the same. It's just the the technology might might have changed a bit. So, um, yes, just wanted to recommend that to the listeners. Now, Gina, we've got a, a very interesting topic today: how to get your online course content written ten times faster. Right. That's Before right. we get into that, though, uh, yes. I just want to—I want my listeners to know a little bit more about you. I've obviously been following you on Instagram. I listen to your podcast. Let us know what is it you actually do. How do you help people? Is this? Let us know. Give us the rundown. Well, we help, and I say we. My husband's part of the business. He's on the design side, and we help course creators, so experts, entrepreneurs, speakers, celebrities, create their online courses. We also coach folks through the process. You mentioned the six-week accelerator. We help people get their courses up and going and launch in just six weeks uh, as part of our course creation boutique. Love it. And I believe that's starting this week, I believe, by the time this yes, podcast. Yes, that's right. That's right. When this is hitting the six-week accelerator, I do it once or twice a year, and this just happens to coincide. So now's the time. Awesome. So if you're listening to this, obviously listen to the podcast, it's going to be awesome. But even if you want, just go straight to the link I'm going to put in the show notes and um, have a look at what Gina's offering because she only does it a couple times a year. So if you like her style, you know, now's the time to do it or you might have to wait another another year. Uh, and just one thing I want to add that I really like, I heard you mention in one of your podcasts as well, and we'll probably speak about it today, is that you're about getting it done right? It's about, you're going to get this course done in six weeks. It's not going to get closer to being done in six weeks. It's not going to be (laughs) um, your research done in six weeks. It's going to be ready to market in six weeks, right? That's right. I am the queen of, I I like to call myself the queen of getting it done and finishing because there's nothing to me that's more fulfilling than a course that gets done. And I'm sure you feel the same way. Mm. And because, and I'm sure you see so many course creators that kind of dabble Right. Mm-hmm. And dabble, like talk about another Tony term. We should like take points about how many yeah. times I'm going to mention Tony stuff. So yeah. instead of mastering, they're dabbling yeah. and then years go by and I've talked to them and I'm sure you have too. Yeah. And their course isn't done. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons why I did six weeks is I'm like, there's nowhere to run. There's nowhere to hide. You and I are working on this together in a small group and getting it done. Like it's, there's no more waiting. Right. Mm. So, uh, so I, I love this idea of, of helping people finish. Yes, love it as well. And one of my favorite quotes, I think this is a, I don't know who it is, maybe an Amy Porterfield or something. Um, mm-hmm. Done is better than perfect. Yes. Yes. It, I say that all the time. Amy yeah. says it. Yes. It's amazing. Because it, it's, it it's, really is. It's not even debatable, you know? And like when, when you, when I first heard it, I'm like, what does that even mean? Perfect is, is the best. You can't get better than perfect. <laughs> but then when you think about it, it's like, well, hold on. It's never going to be perfect. 
So, and even it's not even going to be close to perfect the first time. And if you, if it somehow is, then, then yeah, it's taken you five years to do it when you could have just got it done in five weeks and then right. slowly made it better the next time, the next time, the next time you, you would have been that first attempt of you getting it perfect, which would have taken you five years. You could have done in five months if you just launched it and then, okay, let me make some changes. Okay. Let me make some changes. Okay. Let me make some changes. So love that there, but in perfect action. Absolutely. Yes. Awesome. Now I'm going to hand it over to you, Gina. So getting it done 10 times faster. I like the sound of that. Um, where do we start? How do we do it? What's the first thing? I'm a big fan of formulas and breaking down mm-hmm. each phase of course creation in a way of a system that works. So for example, if you are just sitting down to outline your course, I've got this posted exercise process that I love to use that takes the overwhelm out of it. So That's that phase of course creation. Then once you're getting to the scripting, I feel like a lot of course creators fall off. I don't know if you've Mm -hmm. also experienced this, but they get overwhelmed, confused. Okay, what the heck am I supposed to do? So I've created this five. I actually didn't create it. I watched Tony on stage for a million times and I realized, hey, this guy's onto something. He's doing a framework And I just took his framework and kind of made it work a little bit for us regular course creators. And first and foremost, it starts with a hook. You've got to engage your audience from the get-go. It's a question. It's a story. I love starting with stories. Bo Eason is a good friend and a client of mine, and he's an incredible speaker. Are you familiar with with Bo Eason? I don't know who he is actually, no. Okay, you would love him because I know you're a Grant Cardone fan, Yes. right? So you're a Tony Robbins fan, Brendan Bouchard. Yes, yes, huge fan. Bo Eason, if you're listening right now, check him out. He's an incredible storyteller. And I love this idea of starting off your scripts with a, with a really great short story to, mm. to grab them from the get-go. Because the sad thing is, even though folks have bought your course, it doesn't mean they're going to open it up, right? It doesn't yeah. mean figuratively they're going to open it up. They're going to start it. And that's just a sad statistic mm. of our industry that they might not get to where you want them to get. They might not even get to the finish line. And so, even, gra- even, even if they do open it and the first module is boring, I'll do the next one tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll right. do it tomorrow. They just put it off. But if it's engaging, they actually want to, obviously you want you to get the result anyway, but if you can make it engaging as well, there's an extra want on there. It's like, not only do I want to learn, but I actually like listening or, or reading this. Right. Exactly. So it is part of our job as course creators to engage mm. them and keep them interested, right? Just because they've bought doesn't mean your, your work is done here. Mm. We have to continue to engage and love on them and continue the relationship with them long after they've purchased, long after they've opened up module one. So from the get-go, you want to hook them with your scripts. Mm. So think about what is that attention grabber or giving them the why and the context around why you're writing this, why you're doing this video. Then the second piece is you're going to tell them what they're going to learn. So let's orient them. I think a lot of times we think we make assumptions. Oh, well, they saw the video. They saw the title. They know where they're going to, they know where they're going. Well, again, don't make assumptions. Yeah. Yeah, Not always like, and uh, orient them to where they are in your course, because say you've got a bigger Mm -hmm. course, right. And you've got multiple modules and multiple lessons they might get lost in that sea. And, and that's really easy to get overwhelmed. You're, you're really clear on where they need to be, but you need to com- over-communicate that with your, with your student. Then in the third piece, you're going to talk about your core or your main steps. 
this is the meat of the lesson. So if Tony was on stage or if I'm building a product and I'm talking about the five steps to lasting change, this is where I'm going to cover those five steps. Okay. Mm. Then you're going to tell them the homework, love implementation pieces. I think you're a fan as well and making sure that they're taking action. Uh, And then finally, you're going to give them next steps. So again, you're orienting them. Okay, now that we've gone through the five steps of lasting change, we're gonna talk about what this looks like in your everyday life as part of your next lesson or whatever it is. Again, you're always giving them milestones, touch points about where they are in your course. So these five pieces happen for every script, every video that you are creating. Awesome, I love it. Cool. And this is the individual one, right? This isn't like, we're not talking about a whole course here. It's like, let's say you've got a four module course and module one has four lessons in it. Each one will follow that formula there. That's right. That's right. So each video will follow this formula. And, and then you take one video at a time, right? You're not going to, you're not going to swallow the whale or whatever metaphor. I'm sure there's a more (laughs) fun metaphor. (laughs) I feel like Aussies always have like uh, more fun metaphors, right? Let's take a quick break. When it comes to influencer marketing, there's a podcast that covers it all that you will want to add to your playlist. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. They talk about influencer marketing, social media, the creator economy, social commerce, and much, much more. They cover all aspects, including the creator economy, social commerce, the latest trends, the metaverse, TikTok trends, and that's just the beginning. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Add the podcast to your playlist right now yes i can't so what which one did you use don't swallow the whale don't swallow the whale what do you've got what do you have oh let me think (laughs) no different i think we use one like if the easiest way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time i think Ah, think that's the one uh the common one i'm used to hearing Okay, great. So there, don't do that either. Don't eat the elephant. Don't swallow the whale. We take one script at a time, one video at a time. Now, let's take this a step further though. So now you know your different pieces. The way that you can spend or save time with your scripting is to not actually script. Mm, now, love it. what the heck is she talking about, right? Like you just said to script every video, lady, are you nuts? <laughs> I'm saying that you could bullet them, that you could do triggers. So Mm -hmm. when we worked for Tony, we never gave them full scripts. Like we're, nobody scripts Tony word for word. I don't, Mm -hmm. if they do, I haven't met them yet. But what we did is we gave him triggers. So if we're talking about a story, we'd say story, uh, none who lived to 117 and that's it. And then he knew where to go with that story right? Same thing for you. You don't need to write word for word, what you're going to represent in your course. Give Mm. yourself triggers. Like I do it for myself too. Example, a course creator who came back after two years and then rocked out their course. Right? So Mm. think about in terms of how you can do shorthand or triggers when you're filming. And then when you're filming either slides with audio or direct to camera, you just have those bullet points or triggers up in front of you to trigger you to prompt you to then deliver the course content. 
Love it. Awesome. Okay. Let me just recap, make sure I got my head around this. So let's say yes. we're putting a course together. We know the the out, end outcome of the course. We're like, great. I'm going to, you know, um, teach someone how to lose Cantonese or, or whatever it may be. Yeah, right? whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got the, the end goal in mind there. We're like, all right, cool. You know, I'm going to do uh, four different modules here. Each module is going to have four different lessons in there, whatever it may be. Cool. I've got my five things here. So each of these videos, I'm going to follow the the five-step process with, which, with each one of these. Now, when it's time to record, I'm not going to write a script. I'm just going to write some dot points. It's probably going to be, if it's on PowerPoint, great. I write them on PowerPoint. Either way, I write them on PowerPoint. It's either I share the slides or I'm talking to the camera like we are now, but I've got some, some dot points there in the background and it's just triggers. So let's just say, for example, um, the, the, the first thing we want to start with in each video is a hook or a story anyway, right? So we might just have a little thing there that says the nun story. And then we start speaking about that. And then the next thing might be the, the next dot point is what are we going to learn? All right, cool. Here's what we're going to learn in, in these things here. The next dot point is, is you know, say the, the five core things or whatever it may be. Great. We say the five core might have the title for each one of those. And then we, um, we riff off them a little bit. That's what we're saying here, right? Oh my gosh. You must be a course creator. You're incredible. <laughs> that was incredible. Yes. That's, that's exactly right. Mm -hmm. And let's speak a little bit about why that's so important, Gina. Why is that the best way to do it? Why is it the quickest way to do it? That, that is very similar to what I do uh, with my courses. So I love that you've said it. Let's explain it to the, the listeners a little bit. Because it can get overwhelming, right? Mm. So I, I don't care if you're creating a course that has 12 videos or 40 videos. Mm. When, when you get into that scripting process, it can sort of feel like, you are in a big ocean, right? And to me, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, I want to bring structure and systems to relieve that overwhelm. And that's mm -hmm. what I bring to my students and my clients as well. So if you start with the structure and you fill in the blank, you are very much less likely to feel overwhelmed. Like if it's plug and play, and you know, okay, I've got a story here. Like you broke it down, like my hook, here's my story, what you're going to learn, here's my bullet points, and et cetera then then it feels more manageable mm -hmm. and it feels like you can succeed and you can make progress meaningful progress along the way love it and i'll, I'll piggyback off that and, and share why i love it as well so let's even say most of my courses are powerpoint based right it's powerpoint okay. it's me in the little corner for for most of it and let's say let me think of the best way to do it even if it's like a webinar right so i'm preparing yeah. An, yeah. an hour webinar tomorrow i think i've got 20 slides in this hour webinar because I know that each and each slide is just dot points. Each slide might have four or five dot points, right? right. And for me, it's just so easy to put together a, a basic presentation because it's like, all right, here's 20 slides. I know I'm going to spend probably three minutes on each slide. I know a, a bullet point is going to come up. I'm probably going to spend a minute on each bullet, you know, bullet point comes up. I know that I can talk a minute on that bullet point. The next one comes up. I know I can talk a minute on that bullet point. The next one comes up. I know I can speak a minute on that bu bullet point. So it's just very easy for me from the, the putting the PowerPoint together side of things. It's just so easy to like 20 slides. You know, I can do that. And it probably, probably takes me longer to present the webinar than just to plan it. You know, I can put together 20 slides easy. 
I think it's more engaging for the listener as well, or for the the um the viewer, or, or for the student, because you know sometimes you see a PowerPoint and there's just text there. It's death by PowerPoint. Oh yeah, you no know, death, death by, by PowerPoint. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like man, there's no way I'm reading all this. But if it's like one little thing there, and then maybe a photo with it as well, I like. You know, a dot point comes up, and then hundred percent corresponding photo there, and then you talk about it. I feel it gets every everyone's senses involved. You can read the one word, but you're not overwhelmed little picture pops up. You might be a visual sort of person. You've still got to use your, your audio to listen to what I, I'm saying there. And then if you sort of forget, there's a bullet point to remind you. And then a few minutes later, another one pops up with another photo. It's just, it's more engaging for the listener there. And I think also for the student, let me think of how to explain this. Um, because I had this conversation not too long ago with one of my students. And she was like, Jono, you know, you, you like... I just can't do these PowerPoints like you can. She goes, I, I do it. And then I read off the script and then it takes me forever. And then I am and I are, and then, you know, I make a mistake and then I need to record it. And I'm like, I make, I make a mistake every single time I, I do a, a talking wise. I'll always slightly forget something or not explain it the way it should have been, but nobody even knows because there's just one line of a dot point there. So even if I do stuff it up, no one knows. So I think it's also safer for the course creator as well. It goes back to the perfect side of things. If you're trying to get it perfect, it's just never going to get it done. You know, you're going to, you're going to, and it's going to be boring. You're reading it from it. It just, that that's my take. What's, what's your opinion on that? Well, I think it's, it's both sides, right? So it's, for you, it's easier to make those micro, it's not micro commitments, but like even micro content, right? Like, okay, mm. to your point, it's just a little bit at a time. Mm. And then I think a lot of times death by PowerPoint, death by bullet points, we forget what slides are for. Mm. Slides are meant to engage your students. Yeah, slides are meant to assist you and complement what you're teaching them and mm. not replace or not overwhelm right? So it's a compliment and should be working hand in hand. It's a dance. And, and don't forget that. So I, I've seen it. I, I know, don't know, you've seen it where people do like 17 bullets on one slide and they're just jamming information in there. No one needs that. You don't need that. And your student doesn't need that. Mm. Keep it simple and uh, engaging. Well, I love it how you said it there. The slides are there to complement, not replace. Now I'm going to ask a, a follow-up question there, Gina, because- yes. I've got a feeling a lot of the time when people may do that because they may be nervous or not confident or, or trying to hide, you know, and it's like, well, hey, at least if I'm just reading off a PowerPoint, I'm safer. Any tips for someone like that? How can we help them or how can we change their mindset? What can you tell us there? Well, I think it's getting comfortable with your content and getting comfortable with what you have to teach. Mm. And I think it's it's thinking about your brand and how you're delivering it. So like, I love to use evocative imagery when I'm teaching, say, presentations in my slides, right? And I'm using that to evoke an emotion and that makes it easier for me to then deliver my content. So I think it comes with one, knowing your brand, two, practicing and preparation. So I mentioned Bo Eason at the beginning of this podcast and Bo's all about preparing behind the scenes to show up and show up like you're a pro, right? Mm -hmm. So, and I think when we do that, we get more comfortable with our content, we get more comfortable with our delivery. And I think that just, that comes with time and that comes with, and that comes with practice. Mm. What do you think? Yes, so I think I agree hundred percent. I think there's a couple things I'll, I'll add on to that. So I think, 
And I think it's stages as well, right? I think maybe, mm-hmm. okay, you know, you might be, if you're watching or listening to this now and you're like, all right, cool, damn, they're my PowerPoints exactly. And, you know, that's why I do it for, for that reason there. I would just sort of ease out to it. I'd be like, all right, how can I cut these in half at least, you know, so I don't have 17 slot, 17 bullet points on my PowerPoint. I've got seven or eight. All right, cool. How can I then ease into that? And then a lot of thing I think that I do is, is even just the thinking and, and the mentally rehearsing. So once I've got my sort of my um, bullet point deck there, let's say I'm do- let's say I'm going for a drive. I'm driving to jujitsu class or salsa class or whatever <laughs> yeah, it may right, be, right? right? I'm driving there. I'll just sort of think in my head. Okay, what would I say here? What would I say here? What would I say here? That's great. Yeah. And I almost just mentally rehearse it there, and it's it's visualization. And there's science behind that. My background's in fitness, right? They've done right. studies where uh, with a basketball team, they had three groups, right? One group didn't they were shooting free throws one I group know study. you know the yes. one yeah yeah yes. so i'll explain it to the listeners so there were three groups right one of them didn't do any practice for their free throws and they obviously didn't improve one of them practiced for an hour a day or whatever it was you know for their for their free throws and they obviously improved what the third group didn't practice but just visualized for an hour so they did the same amount of practice as the the physical practice team but one team actually physically shot the free throws the other ones just sat down and visualized it going perfectly and the results i think they were either exactly the same or either the visualization one was a little bit better than the practical one even though they didn't do any um any physical practice there so that's that's i think the the formula there as well and yeah. And then I think once you do it a few times, it just becomes easier and easier and easier. And the other thing that that really helped me do it was also Facebook lives because mm, they're like yes. even more stressful, right? It's like right. if you're stressed doing a, a pre-recorded with a, with a PowerPoint with your dot points there, Facebook lives even harder on that. But from practicing it a few times, it was like, oh, okay. You know, here's how I can talk off the cuff with a few bullet point notes here. Oh, I forgot to say this thing on my Facebook live. You know, how can I make sure that next time I don't forget to say it? And then I can sort of train myself like that. And the advantage of of Facebook live is, I mean, you can do it every day if you want, you know, I mean, you're not going to record a whole course every day, but if you just, (laughs) if you just want to practice, you can jump on Facebook live. And what I even love more about Facebook live is if it's a good one, great. A lot of people are going to see it and comment and you get some, um, you might even get some clients from that. And if it's a bad one, no one sees it anyway because no one likes and comments and then Facebook stops showing it to people. So I think it's a, a good way to, to learn from that side of things as well. I, I love that. Everything you're saying is absolutely right. And also experience other presentations, like mm-hmm. get a sense of other styles. So I remember yeah. seeing Seth Godin years and years ago do a talk and all he had was huge imagery behind him. He didn't have bullet points. He didn't, he didn't have any copy. He just had incredible imagery. Bo just doesn't use PowerPoint slides and all of his people, they just tell stories. He stands, he's tremendously charming and energetic. Do what works for you, right? Don't think just because somebody has a standard PowerPoint template that you need to use that, that template, mm. right? So course creation is not one size fits all. I always mm. talk about this. And PowerPoint slides is the same thing. It's a component that should be uniquely you. Yes, agree. And I'll um, I'll piggyback off that as well. I think that it's important for course creators to do other course cre- other courses, even mm-hmm. for that reason there. Even if you're not doing it to learn the the topic that's there, even right. learn the teaching style. And I I know a good course that's starting uh, this week actually called um, Get Your Course Out to Market in Six Weeks. 
<laughs> so you can, you can check nice that segue. out if you want an ID there. Um, but even so, yeah, I've had similar experiences where I did a, um, what did I do? So I did a, a course uh, from an old mentor of mine. So he used to be a, a well, I, he was originally my mentor. I did his course, um, okay. speak to him for a couple of years. And then, you know, I did another one of his course a couple of years later. And it was just so much funnier. And I'm like, man, how are you coming up with all these funny jokes? And, and you know, it's just so much more engaging. How are you doing it? And he's like, well, it, it's quite simple. I, I, you know, did this comedy course, you know, and then I, I became so much funnier from it. I'm like, man, I want to do this comedy course as well. Because that way, because I, I like that experience. I'm like, man, I like going here and laughing and, and having fun. You know, I want to offer these for, for my student, students as well. So I think that that part's important there. So that, uh, I, awesome. Oh, no, yeah, sorry. I, yeah, can I just piggyback on that? So yeah, yeah. I took a parenting course because uh, one of my students did a live course. And I just love the way she taught it live. I learned from her. Right. So she learned from me and then I learned from her and I became a better mom as part of the process. And then I kind of fell back, but that's another <laughs> podcast, but, uh, but I loved it. And you're right. Like it's, it's, I think as course creators, we tend to fall off sometimes and forget our own training, mm -hmm. but it, making time to attend workshops and other people's courses is just as critical as building our own. 100%. And I've got one more question for you, but I'll piggyback yes. on this one more, um, uh, piggyback over one more time. The other reason why I think it's important for a course creator to do courses is because it shows that you actually value courses. So uh, me, yes. and I've even slackened off a little bit now, but especially when I was starting off, I would do a heap of courses. I'd go to workshops, online courses, hire business coaches, um, you know, conventions, every single thing in there, all my money, all the money that I spent would go into learning. So when it came time to selling my course, it was sort of like, a, I didn't have any bad feelings. And if like, if like a price objection came up, oh, it's a lot of money for a course, isn't it? Well, not really. I mean, I've spent thousands in the, in, in the right. past year, you know, this is like yeah. a fraction compared to what I've spent there. And it wasn't an objection handle. It was just exactly how I felt because it's what I did. So I think that's that's important there. Um, but I was wondering, Gina, can you give us yeah. one more tip on how to get our course done quicker? So we've got our, our five-step framework there. We've got our, our scripting in terms of don't script it. Can you give us one more tip there? Here's what I'll leave you with is find your flow before you sit down and write. Mm -hmm. And, and this is how I work, Jono. And I don't know if you're, if you're have a similar process, I don't sit down and write anything, my scripts, my sales pages, my emails without knowing my hook and how mm -hmm. I want to get into it and what I want to share. What's my outcome is one of my favorite questions. Oh. What's my outcome and how I'm going to grab them to get there mm -hmm. is that's what I have to answer in my head. And if I have to go for a walk or, you know, I've got to wash the dishes yeah, or yeah. something else has to get done before I sit down and write. And then I find my flow. So my husband does the same thing with design. If he doesn't know mm. what kind of thing, what kind of magic he's going to create, he doesn't sit down yet. So don't do it. Don't frustrate yourself. Don't get writer's block. Writer's block is BS. It just means like you haven't figured out your hook and you haven't figured out what the outcome is. Do that first, then sit down, let it flow. Love it. Yes. I'm a huge outcome guy myself. I think that's my favorite thing I've learned from, from Tony Robbins. That's not mm -hmm. my core strategy. That's my life strategy. I know? know that's my life strategy too. When, well, so now when a client or somebody comes to where a student says, Oh, I want to start a podcast or I want to build this. I want to build that. What's your outcome, mm. which I know probably drives them nuts, but then they have to really think through because 
and you've seen this, I'm sure too, where people say, mm. I'm going to start a series that's about this. Okay. Well, where's why? it going to what's mm. yeah. Why what's the offer you're going to make out of it? Where is the customer going to go? Right. What's your outcome? Love it. And it's, it's a good for anyone listening as well. It's a few, I use it in so many different ways. It's good for, for, um, co- it's good for coaching. If you're a coach, you know, it's a good question to ask someone it's good for sales as well. You know, if you're, if yeah. you're on a sales consultation and someone's, well, I'm going to do this, this, and this great. Why are you going to do that? And it's also good even to ask yourself, you know, I do it all. I sit down every morning. Okay. What's my, what's my life goal? It's to do this. Why do I want to do this? Because of this, this, and this, <laughs> but why do I want to do that? Because of this, this, and this. And why do I want to do that? Because, okay, this is what I really want. This is the goal. Now let's look at my to-do list, right? Which of these things are going to bring me closest to this goal here? And right. once you, it's it's Tony Robbins' RPM method, I think he he calls 100%, it. hundred percent, right. Your yeah. purpose, your outcome, and then your purpose. And then you probably prioritize right after that, right? Exactly. With exactly. Your chunking, yeah. <laughs> and that's a whole nother, that's a, the best program I ever did from Tony Robbins was his time one time of oh, your yeah. life. Time of your life. Yeah. yeah. I think he got me as well with that. I'm like, Oh, this is how you have the time of your life. You know, let me do this. And then I realized it was a time management. Uh, course. Right. It's, but it's completely aspirational. Right. So you're it's, like, I'm going to have time of my life. Oh wait, I'm just managing my time and <laughs> organizing my activities. But it's honestly, that's the best program I've ever done. It was an audio CD program. Still, I did it like two years ago. It was on audio yeah. CDs. So I had to buy like a, you know, like my, my laptop doesn't have CDs. You know, I had to buy some connection thing there, but it was literally the best pro. It was like 10 hours audio CD. <laughs> um, but it was literally, the, it literally changed my life. I recommend everyone, anyone that's listening to this, if you, best, yes. yeah, if you are having time management issues, if you feel like you're not getting enough done, watch that CD. Now my problem is I don't know. I've got too much time on board after doing that there. So it definitely works. Um, but Hey, Gina, there's just a few questions. I always like to finish off my podcast with, um, or one question, but broken down into three ways. It's around mentors. So you're obviously a mentor mm-hmm. for plenty of people out there that want to get their course up and running. I'm curious to who your most important mentors have been over the years. And if you can answer it in a few different ways, if you could give us a book, that you recommend every course creator should read. Um, if you could tell us one of your paid mentors or mentor that you paid money to, you did their course or their program, whatever it may be, um, that really changed your life. And then an unpaid mentor. So someone that you've never paid money to, but you know, you follow them on social media, you listen to their podcast, you watch their YouTube videos, whatever it may be. What can you tell us there around mentors? Okay. I love this question. Uh, does everyone say atomic habits <laughs> when popular, they talk about it is a popular one? Yeah. Yeah. Shit. Okay. Um, well, atomic habits is one, but all right. I'm going to talk about Lynchpin and okay. Seth Godin yeah. or like hell, any Seth Godin book, mm. let's be honest. Right. Mm. Uh, when I am thinking through my marketing, when I'm thinking through campaigns, I always pick up Seth Godin. Like, I don't, I don't know who you use for, but just the way, like he talks about getting a, a swimming pool instead of an ocean, finding your corner, your passionate niche, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, he is just an absolute genius. And, and there's no one who speaks like him. And I'm, I'm probably sp- talking to the, to the choir, right? Preaching to the choir right now, if everyone listens to this podcast, that Seth Godin is an absolute genius. So he is my, he was, he is my book mo- mentor, my paid mentor, Victoria Gibson, uh, I don't know if yes. you're familiar with Vic. Uh, I, heard you, I heard she's Australian, right? Yes. Yes. I heard, I heard you mention her on a podcast. I like, cause I like, I like money. I like sales, you know, and I heard you. You will love Vic. Her. 
So I, I added oh. her as a friend the other day. I don't think she's accepted. I'll, I'll check in, check now and see. <laughs> I'll make sure she accepts that. Vic is a selling master. Like before I, I joined her mastermind for two years, I did not know how to sell. I knew how to create content, right? I knew how to build courses and I did not know anything about strategy calls. And I worked with her for two years and she's an absolute genius. And she gave me the confidence and the tools and a messaging master. So uh, I hope Vic, I'm going to send this to her so she can listen to me just like absolutely rave about her. And then as far as virtual mentors, I mean, gosh, there's so many women like Amy Porterfield and I worked together at Tony Robbins and she became a dear, dear friend and a huge mentor. She's the reason I'm here today selling courses uh, or helping people create courses. Because when I had my son, she said, you don't have to go back to corporate. You could do this you could help people create courses. Like she gave me that confidence. So it's, it's aims. It's like comes from Tony Robbins. It's Bo Eason. It's, it's all these amazing people that have been clients or I've worked with and then just became amazing mentors. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Good tips there. I hope that um, she accepts my, my friend request. <laughs> <laughs> And we'll go from there. Um, awesome. All right. Well, Gina, that's pretty much all I wanted to get through today. Is there anything I should have asked you but didn't or anything you want to finish us off with? Just going back to what we said before, uh, Jono, about imperfect action mm. and done is better than perfect, messy yep. action, right? Messy, but meaningful action. Mm. So, okay, I am going to quote Atomic Habits. So here we go. <laughs> that I know James Clear talks about making action instead of motion, right? So instead of doing research on your scripts, write your scripts. Instead of uh, calling somebody for feedback, just write it, just do it and ship it or send to somebody for review. I want everyone, part of finishing is taking meaningful action. And that's how you get shit done. I hope I can curse on this podcast. (laughs) Yes, you're good. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. All right, Gina, well, thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much. It was awesome being on. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your friends. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Check out the show notes for more free resources on how to sell more of your online courses.